Welcome 2209. Today is September 22nd, 2020. My name is David Wise. I'm sitting here with Lavinia Hairston, Michael Scott, and Angie Panetta. And we're here to talk about... Her name is not Panetta, it's Bonetta. You said Panetta. Did you hear it? Oh, maybe I thought I said Bonetta. I thought you did too. Oh, I sound like a P. Lavinia's making stuff up. Lavinia's tired. tired. (laughs) All right. What are we here to talk about today, Dave? Red Shirt Wednesday. We have the firefighter fundraiser we'll be talking about as well. Also, this is the anniversary of the second week of strike, if any of you all remember that. That was a great time. Tuesday would have been my regular uh, sergeant arms duty for second shift. (laughs) It's kitchen duty for me right now. I've been in the kitchen cooking lunch. I don't remember. I was here a lot. I mean, like, I was here a lot, but, like, when I was, when I had to be, like, in the, on the job per right, se you know right. and then like yeah strike duty was i think that we did really good strike duty was only four hours and mine was on sunday that was nice so it was like look kokomo was doing like what two or three days a week of mm-hmm. eight, eight hours, hours. Yeah. yeah they yeah. were putting it down for that little 250 we were very fortunate that we toledo so did like six hours twice a week mm-hmm. or something yeah we i think we did get i think they did a real good job with scheduling because you know some people you know didn't even want to come up here for for extra stuff so right all right so let's get into uh why we wear red do any of you know offhand why before i'm gonna i have a little thing i'm gonna read but um i do it's for solidarity right i mean i know that's as much as i know i don't know like the background to it or anything yes it is for solidarity we were red on wednesdays to show management that we are all united yes we are one but the history of why we wear red is a little bit of, I want to say a darker past, but that's not really it. It's uh, it's kind of a... It just delves deeper, let's just say that. Well, I mean, it does dive in a little deeper, but the, the act that what happened and why we do it isn't a great thing, but... And, right. and a lot of people don't talk about it. No, I didn't know. A lot until, of people don't know about right, it. Right, so that's why exactly. we're here to right. uh, give this information out. So I have a little thing I'm going to read, um, so bear with me. Union members wear red shirts on Wednesdays as a sign of solidarity. When a sea of red shirts greets management, it's a way to let them know that the workers stand together. This modern tradition goes back to 1989 with the Communication Workers of America, whose members began wearing red on Thursdays to commemorate the death of Jerry Horgan. Horgan was a CWA chief steward for Westchester County in New York who died of head injuries after being struck by a speeding car on a picket line. That vehicle was driven by a scab, the teenage daughter of a manager. She was never charged for his death. Wearing the red shirt to show solidarity took on new meaning during Wisconsin's Governor Scott Walker and his relentless attacks on labor in 2011. Unionists around the country wanted to show solidarity with Wisconsin and donned red shirts once a week. Today, it remains an act of showing unity both to one another and the world. It's not anti-management. It's a positive statement for workers standing together. Yeah. It's a great read. That's, that's great. And considering this is the anniversary, the second week we would have been on strike. We right. were once on those picket lines. Yeah. I mean, we had some action at Gate 6 quite often. Any one of us could have been put in that position. A real-life story with one of the reasons why we were red, like I look at it like, 
for the red of the blood that was shed was shed mm-hmm. yeah. for those that were fighting for what we have today and a lot of people don't know the history so that was that's absolutely wonderful to know i never you know i've always i've signed the paper and everything to say i'm gonna wear a red shirt on wednesdays you know but i never really knew the background to it but you know i stay stay pretty solid with the red so a lot of the tradition we have with, with the union is um there's reason for it like there's mm-hmm. a reason why they decided that we do this it's not all arbitrary stuff it's there is meaning behind a lot of the stuff that we do like red shirt wednesday for example i know last week i the week of we had the labor day i wore red on thursday when i came in thursday because in my head it was we've been working a lot Mm -hmm. it's been kind of crazy so you'll be confused i was totally confused and one of the guys was like i thought you was really mad and you were just not gonna wear a red shirt that's the first time i ever (laughs) never seen you wear a red shirt on wednesday and i went what's today (laughs) like i and it was so weird i didn't even realize it if you don't think people don't notice, people oh, do looking. notice. Yeah. I'm just one person in one area. Right. And people were like, why doesn't Angie have on red? But I had a week one week and I'm telling everybody, everybody make sure you wear red on Wednesday. Wear your red, wear your red. Mm-hmm. And then I get to work and they're like, V, where's your red? I was like, huh? It's not It's not Wednesday. It was like, uh, yeah, it is. Mm-hmm. Now, mind <laughs> you, I don't even know if we was working a lot. I think it was just me. You know, I'm like... Mm-hmm. Got up that morning, I'm rushing to work, and usually I have, like, a red shirt set out with the pair. You know, my clothes mm-hmm. are usually set out with this day. I didn't. So I think that's what happened. But I was like, y'all, I apologize, but I appreciate <laughs> You know, I appreciate yeah. you guys wearing your red, though, because, you know, I do kind of be a hermit about it, you know. So if other people are noticing that we work with, then management is also noticing, too. So if we're standing together, we're working together, and we are all one, right. it shows a a bigger presence oh definitely yes. definitely so don't forget to wear red on wednesdays yep firemen's donation yeah yeah donation so uaw local 229 is proud to invest the local community we understand the equipment that our local is donating could not only benefit our membership but also could be utilized at other businesses and schools in our area in the event of an active shooting incident. The training kits will be utilized to further train other emergency services throughout Northwest Indiana. Members of the emergency response team look forward to training and working with Southwest Fire District in the near future. I'm also going to share an email that we received after our donation. We would like to thank you for the generous donation by the local or UAW Local 2209 for the necessary resources we attain regarding safety supplies, which will be needed in the event of an active shooter. This donation not only helps keep our responders safe, however, it will also benefit the community around us as we have assembled a rescue task force team, which will respond to these types of tragedies. We have coordinated a response team not only for other fire departments, but also surrounding police agencies in and around Allen County. With your support, our response team has now grown within Southwest Fire District as well as neighboring departments and counties. We would like to thank you all for your support. If you'd like to see a list of those items that were purchased with our donation, you can come to the hall and ask for it. 
awesome, awesome work. Like, I'm so proud to be a member of UAW 2209 for all the things that we do in our community keep us safe continuously. So appreciate everything, guys. Yeah, definitely keep up the good work with the donations. And then we'll be going to a recording that we have with the Postal Service Union Workers President following this statement. For the union makes us strong. My name is Deanna Watson, and I'm a member of UAW Local 2209, and I'm also the financial secretary of our CAP Council. And we have Tim Scroggs here from the National Letter Carriers. If you want to kind of give your position and what you do for your local. Sure. First, thanks, Deanna, and all of you for asking me to, to come out tonight. I appreciate that. Um, I am the branch president of Summit City Branch 116. Uh, that's the National Association of Letter Carriers. And I've been, this is my second term as president, going on four years. Also a couple stints as vice president. I've been a steward off and on for 15 years or so. And I've been a letter carrier for about 20 years. Awesome. Yeah. So could you give us um, kind of a rundown because you work as well on top of your union position, right? You work right. in that, okay. Could you give us just kind of briefly describe what you do and kind of the different things that go on during a shift? Sure, for the letter carriers, um, I do have a route, I carry mail when I'm not doing the union work. But yeah, we come in not as early as we used to. When I started, we would come in at seven o'clock, and get done by three on an eight-hour day, 3.30. Now we start at 8.45 here in Fort Wayne, start kind of late, but it gives time for the clerks to get the mail sorted. Hopefully the plan is to have the mail sorted to the carrier cases. That's where we sort the mail. We come in, we'll uh, check our vehicles, make sure the vehicles are running properly. We'll go to our cases, they call them, and any mail at our case, we will sort and put in the mail or in the case in, in order of delivery. So there's not as much of that as there used to be. There is a lot of automation. So a lot of the letter mail is already in delivery order when we get there. It's already been pre-sorted at the plant automatically. So, but when we get that mail in our case, we also will uh, go to the clerk or the clerk will come around and we'll sign for accountable mail. And that would be our arrow keys that let us lets us open the mm. blue boxes. Uh, for collection mail, um, any certified mail, postage due mail, um, registered mail, we, we sign for all that. Once we get all that ready to go, uh, we'll pull the route down in order and put it in a cart. Of course, there's a lot of packages too anymore. A lot of what we do is deliver packages because the volume is really heavy. Sometimes I'll take a couple of trips to load our vehicle and we'll start delivering mail if it's a nice day like this hopefully everything goes well you know great weather in the winter your <laughs> severe heat you know it's it's kind of tough out there at times but we deal right. with it mm -hmm. and you know hopefully we don't have any dog issues or, and that sort of thing <laughs> but on a good day uh it, it's a good job yeah good. so we'll come back sort the mail uh, bring back the mail that we've picked up and we will turn in our accountable items and our keys and that's about it now, you mentioned the mail sorters. Mm -hmm. um, that seems to be a big topic that's been in the news lately. I was wondering if you could elaborate on that, that machines were being shut down. Um, have you noticed changes like that at your facility? So I, as far as I know, that didn't happen in Fort Wayne as okay. far as any machines being taken out. Mm -hmm. So that was good. It's hard to say 
you know, there were some issues this summer here locally. Basically amounted to the plant would only have so much time to have the mill process and the trucks were not going to wait. And the clerks in the offices were given time limits on how much mill to sort. And then we were given time limits on how quick to be out. So, yeah, nationwide it was an issue. Uh, that is, is stopped now, hopefully. I know there's probably some pockets where it's still happening. But with all the media press and all that that happened, things are back to normal for the most part. Okay. Um, so that's good news. Yeah. Yeah, that's good <laughs> news. Um, one of the questions I had still kind of on the mail sorting topic is, like, people send important things through the mail all the time. So I think about, like, if you get jury duty, jury notices, any type of court documents, things like that, that's, that gets sent through the mail all the time. So how are you able to tell, I don't know how to word it, but... Classification. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, there's different classes of mail. Okay. And that, depending on the price that's paid by the customer, you know, the first class mail will get priority and it's easy to identify. It'll have a postmark on it. A lot of times it'll say first class. So uh, we, we pretty much, if the letter carriers have the mail, we treat it all the same. So if it's at our case, we're going to take it and deliver it, hopefully, you know, if, if that's, we're allowed to do our job mm-hmm. and that's what we want to do, get right. the mail delivered accurately. But some mail will be processed differently before it gets to us. So like advertising mail, third class mail has a longer time frame that it needs to be delivered because they don't, the price is, is less. Um, but the first class mail gets processed right away and goes through. And then there's, if you want more security on the mail, you can do signature confirmation. You can mail it certified um, where the person has to sign for it. And that's something that that's more accountable that we, we sign for ourselves and make sure it gets delivered properly. Um, the most secure mail is registered mail and that is very secure. So from the time it gets brought to the post office to the time it gets delivered, it never leaves a, it'll either be in a locked safe or in a person's hand. It's manually secured the whole way. So that's the most secure mail. Okay. And I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about, because in the news, it's there's been a lot of talk about the security of the mail. But, you know, for me, that would kind of, that if you do this for a living, that would kind of be hard to hear because it's kind of questioning the integrity of your job. So I was wondering if mm-hmm. you could talk about that a little bit. Yeah, when we're hired, we're trained about the sanct they call it the sanctity of the mail. And uh, we're basically trained to treat every piece of mail like it's our own or like it's a family member's. We take a lot of pride in that. It's a very serious matter. In fact, you know, if we if we did something to tamper with mail, we would be we would number one lose our job. Yes, it is possible to get fired from the post office mm-hmm. and that's one way to do it. Number two it would be a federal crime and we could face fine or imprisonment and Post office has their own security, you know, the postal service inspection office that makes sure that doesn't happen. So by and large, uh, vast majority, if almost all letter carriers take it very seriously, the sanctity of the mail and that every piece of mail, we want to make sure it's accurate. We want to make sure it gets delivered to the right house and we do take it seriously. So awesome. Yeah. We'll switch gears a little bit and talk about specifically um, absentee ballots. So mm-hmm. do ballots get priority shipping? They do. Uh, okay. It's first-class mail. 
so that automatically is getting a priority shipping okay. and it's mailed locally so it's going to be a quick turnaround mm -hmm. from the election board to the customer with the ballot and then back to the election board so it's going to be a quick turnaround if it's weeks away from the election right now like now it's probably going to be treated like any other first class mail it's got a clear address it's got a good return address it's going to be delivered timely okay as it gets closer to the election mm -hmm. um yes we do we are asked to separate that mail normally and make sure it goes to a separate tub you know to make sure it doesn't get mixed in and, and go somewhere it shouldn't. So the closer to the election, the more priority it takes. But yeah, I've already been picking up ballots. I think they sent them out Friday, early early ballots. And I've already been uh, picking them up. And if they're not there, they're on their way to the election board now. So Okay, yeah. awesome. And one of our phone bankers um, for the phone banking we've been doing for our local said she spoke to a letter carrier and that the employees are actually trying to make a point by sending in their absentee ballots through the mail or to vote by mail this year. Is that something you've noticed at your local? Well, unfortunately, in Indiana, there <laughs> it's not a no excuse state, you know, right. not everybody's eligible Correct. to yeah. vote by mail. I think it's uh, age goes by age if you're going to be mm -hmm. in the area. So um, I don't know. I, I think the folks that are eligible, such as our retirees, most right. definitely, mm -hmm. yeah, they probably already are voting by mail, okay. already had been. So do is there a risk of items, specifically ballots, getting lost in the mail? 470 million pieces of mail in last year were delivered a day, 470 million pieces a day, six days a week. Oh my. So that's a lot of mail. So does occasional a piece get uh, misdelivered, uh, whether it's misaddressed or through human error? Yeah, it, it'll happen from time to time. But like I said, this election mail is clearly marked. We we know it when we see it. And I do think we're being extra careful <laughs> yes. to make sure that mail goes, goes in the right slot. So it it'll be very rare for any election mail to be misdelivered. So I, I feel like it's very secure. A very secure way to vote. If I could, I would have no no qualms in right. voting by mail. Yeah. <laughs> right. Well, that's that's good to know. Plus, like you yeah. said, it's delivered locally, so right. it doesn't have a long way to travel. So it, that's good to know. You may have heard uh, uh, certain people claiming of it's ripe with fraud. You know, I think mm -hmm. those are the words. Mm -hmm. It's simply not true. I think there was a study done by the Heritage Foundation that they found that there's very little fraud through mail voting, very, very little. It's a matter of being prepared, mm -hmm. you know. The post office is gonna be prepared. It's just uh, another letter for us to deliver. We're already delivering uh, to your house maybe four or five pieces of mail. So it's one more piece of mail, mm -hmm. even if everybody voted by mail. So it's really a matter of the uh, election boards being prepared and people voting early. You know, don't wait till the last the, the last day or last two days. Vote, vote as early as you can. Get, get your ballots, get them mailed so it can get processed. So they're not overwhelmed at the, right. on election day. So yeah. you guys have it under control, but that Absolutely. just helps everybody else along the yeah, way. Yeah, it just bugged me. Like you wouldn't believe here in all this <laughs> fraud, you know, it's yeah. just not true. And we found that out recently in the court case where they were, for, they were asked to prove cases of fraud and it couldn't happen. You know, when it comes down to it, it's just talk. 
it's a very safe way to vote. Absolutely. And that's why we're really glad that you were able to sit down and talk with us because, you know, you hear a lot of things, see a lot of things on social media. So why not just ask somebody that does it for a living? I appreciate um, that. Yeah. yeah. Another topic that we've heard a lot about is the funding for the postal service and that the postal service loses money. I didn't know if you could talk about that because I understand it has to do with funding your health care and pensions. So if you could explain that a little bit. Yeah, it's all about a Congress passed a law called the Postal Accountability and Enhancement Act in 2006. And um, that law required the USPS to pre-fund decades worth of future retiree health benefits. It's something that no other company in the country has to do. And we're talking about funding benefits for employees that aren't even born yet. And it, to the tune of billions of dollars a year. Now in 2006, we were pretty stable. The mail volume was good. And then we had the recession and then the mail volume went down. Um, eventually the post office just could not pay that debt. That was totally unfair, simply didn't have the funds. So once they started defaulting on that debt due entirely to this unfair law, then it started to go into the red, and that's where you hear about the post office being in debt. If you take that away, um, up until 2018, the post office was making a profit, making money on paper, you know, not paper, but take that 2006 unfair act away, and they were make profitable, uh, making money. And then recently, the last couple of years, yes, the volume's been down, and we do need help, you know. Um, but most of the debt, by far, is due to that. Postal Accountability Enhancement Act. So what are ways that people can help out the post office? Is there things that just citizens can do to help support your jobs? Short term right now, as far as helping the post office, would be to contact your senator. And they are in session now with uh, the stimulus bill that you probably heard about. And the post office, uh, Congress did pass, I believe it was $25 billion to help the post office do strictly to get through the coronavirus epidemic, COVID-19 epidemic, because like any other company, uh, it's hit us pretty hard. And, you know, the hotels have gotten stimulus funds. The restaurants have gotten them. Why not the post office? We're service providing service to the entire country. So the best thing you could do right now is contact your senator and ask for help in that stimulus bill. And for more information, you can go to NALC.org and it'll give you the details on how to do that. And then long-term, we do need postal reform to get that 2006 act stopped. Uh, I, so we don't have to continue to make those unfair payments. But right now we're focused on the stimulus funds to try to get the post office through this pandemic. Well, I wasn't aware that there were more than one unions in a post office facility. So could you talk about the different unions that have contracts in your building? Sure. There are several different unions within the post office. Uh, the ones that handle the mail would be the American Postal Workers Union, APWU. That would be the clerk's uh, mostly. I think that would cover the, also covers like custodians, some of those other jobs. Of course, NALC, National Association of Letter Carriers would be the city carriers. The rural carriers would be the uh, the rural areas. Mm -hmm. um, that's a different union. And that is the uh, National Rural Letter Carriers Association, NRLCA. And then the National Postal Mail Handlers Union, NPMH. 
they're the ones that would sort the mail at the plant. So, oh, okay. yeah, there's several different unions, so that's a little bit unique. Yeah. Yeah. Is there anything that we didn't touch on that you'd like to talk about or anything that your local branch is up to that you want to give a shout out to? Well, I just wanted to, to kind of hit on that service aspect again. And we got a lot of attention in the media the yeah. summer, as you guys know. Mm-hmm. And I think that was good. I think it was good because the, this pandemic and all the new postmaster general and all that, it really brought attention to the post office. And I tell you what, when you mess with the post office, people get people get upset. You know, mm-hmm. you don't mess with my mail. You know, you don't <laughs> yeah. mess with my letter carrier. You know, they love us, and mm-hmm. it's because we provide a service. You know, it's not to make make a profit. I understand we need to be profitable, but that's not the goal of the postal service. It's service, and we're part of our communities. We look out for people's kids. We look out for the elderly on our routes. Uh, if the mail piles up and we know it's an elderly person, we check on that person, call the authorities if we need to. Every year, there's hundreds of letter carriers that are heroes, whether it's saving an elderly person, finding a lost child, notifying a family of their house being on fire, saving lives. So we're part of the community and provide a very valuable service to the community. So as far as the local branch, we have a great branch. I have great leaders around me that, that support me, and we're just happy to be a part of the AFL-CIO and, and all that. So, yeah, it's just a great family, and then the extended family with you guys and just helping you guys out when we can and you guys helping us. So that's what it's all about. The Stamp Out Hunger Food Drive was postponed, as you guys know, and it is not looking promising. Yeah, I think we probably would have heard something by now. So we we did do a virtual food drive to help the Associated Churches mm-hmm. Food Bank. Yeah. And that was very successful. I think we raised, not we, but every, the AFL-CIO, everybody working together, uh, about 25000 So I just think to keep supporting the food bank, because they do depend on that. They're at the food bank. And mm-hmm. not to have it, even though we did raise those funds. I know my wife works at Whitley County Salvation Army, and there's just so much need out there right now. Uh, I just think the the economic fallout from this, we haven't even seen yet. So any way we can help the food bank associated churches, because we I just don't see it happening this year. Tim, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us and answering all those questions. It was really, really good information. You're welcome. Thanks for having me.